the gallery was quiet. Everyone in attendance sat on the edge of their seats awaiting a verdict. It was so quiet in the courtroom that creaks from the wood flooring could be heard through the tiny room. A light summer rain had fallen the night before, but temperatures were rising and the wood building was letting everyone know. Out of the stillness, the judge's chamber door flew open. Everyone rose. Judge John Way slowly shuffled to his bench. Slamming down his gavel, he announced his verdict to the accused. Mr. Carr, you have been found guilty of capital murder in the first degree. Therefore, I find your sentence as death. You will be hanged by the neck until dead on August 20th, 1870, at first light. The courtroom sighed relief, but the defendant began laughing. He replied, Not care a damn about that, even if it was tomorrow. He was, after all, a self-confessed serial killer and the first person to hang legally in Belmont County, Ohio. Hi, I'm Skylar. And I'm Shelley. And this is Diabolic Evil. Hello and welcome back, and what a welcome back it is. <laughs> yes. It's been six months since our last episode on Lavinia Fisher, and before we knew it, here we are, six months exactly, and we appreciate all of you sticking with us. And time flies when you're having, well, that doesn't really apply here, I guess. (laughs) Time flies when you're not making episodes, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) But here we are, and we're ready to dig back into some interesting, troublesome, and strange serial killer crimes of the 1800s. It's interesting to see with the cases how far forensics has come over the centuries. Oh, definitely. A lot of evidence was actually collected in that time period, too. But there just wasn't technology advancements, you know, like we have now. Yeah. It's incredible what can be done now. DNA testing alone is still fascinating to me. Yeah, sure. And hair collection, skin and nail scrapings, and even the smallest drop of blood are being tested now to bring closure to older cases or cold cases. Even some are older than both of our ages combined. You know, it's a real shame that even with the advancements, several of these cases still won't be closed. True, but many are. Yes, absolutely. So here we are with yet another killer from the 19th century. Just couldn't seem to get his life on the right track. He's a self-confessed serial killer with an ego to match. So, let's explore the strange life and even stranger death of Thomas Carr. Tom Carr was born Thomas David Carr in a small unincorporated community near Wheeling, West Virginia on March 6, 1846. He was born to abusive parents that punished him for even minor wrongdoings. His father, William Carr, was especially hard on him even at a very young age. Tom was in trouble constantly at home and away from home, and even gained a reputation of being unpredictable in his behavior towards others. He was so unpredictable that he soon enlisted in the 16th Ohio Volunteer Infantry Division at the age of 15 
after his family made their way to St. Clairsville, Ohio. The military recruitment during that time didn't ask many questions, and therefore Tom was able to slip through by lying about his age. He served several years during the Civil War, and during that time he was captured at one point and became a prisoner of war. He was held at a Confederate POW camp for quite a while. Because of his upbringing being so violent, he was able to endure the torture and punishment laid before him at the camp. But it changed him. It changed him into an even more of a smug and arrogant young man. Once released from being held captive as a prisoner of war with the Confederate side, he found work at different farms and coal mines. He stayed as a coal miner for several months, working off and on to earn a small wage. He even found a religion at a Methodist church during this time. But this was all short-lived, and his arrogance and self-serving ways soon showed in the worst possible way. During the winter season in 1869, he met a 13-year-old local girl by the name of Louisa Fox. Her family lived in a small cabin in the Egyptian Valley Wildlife Area. Interestingly enough, the Egyptian Valley Wildlife Area is 14,300 acres of old mining land in the northwest area of Belmont County, Ohio. Since 1994, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources has maintained the land. It's a popular area to view wildlife, hunt, fish, and there's even camping allowed. The high-heeled walls, as they're called, is the lasting result of surface mining from the 1800s until it ended in 1990. It's also home to local folklore and legends surrounding Louisa Fox. Hey guys, did you know that you can be a sponsor of our podcast through listener support? That's right. You can sponsor Diabolic Evil for as little as 99 cents a month. Your sponsorship will go to help make Diabolic Evil even better and help sustain future episodes. Your support can help take us to locations, help with research and fact-checking, as well as better equipment. You can visit the link on our website at diabolicevil.com or just head to anchor.fm slash diabolicevil slash support or hit up our social media pages at Twitter and Instagram. If you're already a sponsor or subscriber, we thank you. And as always, thanks for listening. Tom Carr's interest in Louisa ran deep, probably too deep at the time. He became obsessed with her and was said to even stalk her at times and follow her everywhere. Poor Louisa, being young, found his attempts to court her flattering and gave in to his request. Tom asked for Louisa's hand shortly after, and her father granted permission. After a short engagement, Louisa's father quickly withdrew his consent after being told of his notorious behavior and reputation. He promptly pulled Louisa aside and told her of his ways. At first, she didn't want to believe it, but after she and her father both witnessed his outburst and arrogance, they agreed to end the engagement. When Tom learned of this, Per his ways, he exploded in anger and handled it in the worst possible way by taking it out on Louisa. He first confronted her and asked her why she broke off their courtship and engagement, to which Louisa, accompanied by her father, told Tom that he didn't seem to have any desire to provide for himself, much less a wife. Louisa's father also told Tom 
that he found him quite peculiar in nature. Tom began begging for Louisa's hand, but she and her father held steadfast in their decision. Tom left the property and seemed to accept what he was forced to accept. But Tom had other plans, and his plans still involved Louisa. His plans not only involved Louisa, but also her family, himself, and the entire community of Belmont County. He knew the road that Louisa took home from work with her little brother and hid behind a fence line to wait for them. His plans at first may have been to try his hardest to convince Louisa to take him back, but that's not the end of result that transpired. As Louisa and her brother Willie rounded the corner near the fence line, Tom came out of hiding. He sent Willie home and told him he just wanted to talk to Louisa. But Willie, knowing Tom's anger, hid a short distance away and watched over his sister for her safety. Tom and Louisa did indeed talk, but it escalated when Tom asked Louisa why, to which she responded, Farewell, Tom. I did not think you would serve me. Tom, already at his breaking point, removed a razor from his coat pocket hiding in his sleeve, said, Okay, Louisa, may we hug and have a proper farewell? Louisa agreed, and they hugged, with Tom's mind already made up that if he couldn't have her, no one could. He took out the straight razor and cut Louisa's throat. Tom stood back as Louisa struggled to stay on her feet. He realized that what he had done to her neck did not instantly kill her, so he began stabbing Louisa repeatedly with the razor. To Willie's horror, he watched Tom murder his sister on the dirt path and then witnessed Tom toss her lifeless body onto the side of the road. Willie immediately ran to fetch his father. Tom Carr looked up from Louisa's mangled and bloody body to see Willie running towards the Fox family home. Tom also noticed a large amount of blood pooled on the gravel path and knew he must take off and hide. At this point, he really didn't have a plan but he ran into the forest. A posse was formed to hunt him down, and through the night they searched for Thomas Carr. A few stragglers from the posse group found him the following morning. They observed Tom with abrasions to his throat, wrists, and a small bullet hole in the left side of his pectoral area. He was immediately arrested and taken into custody. After his self-inflicted wounds were treated, he was asked why he injured himself. To which Tom replied, I felt bad. Authorities asked him why he felt bad in hopes he would confess, but Tom shrugged and remained silent. Hey listeners, did you know that we're on Instagram and Twitter? Along with our website, DiabolicEvil.com, where you can leave comments and feedback. So if you miss an episode, you can always catch up to the current show there. You can also contact us via email to at diabolicevil at yahoo.com. So check us out at those locations. We are under Diabolic Evil Pod on social media and give us a like or follow and stay in the loop here with us at Diabolic Evil. Due to the small community and residents on edge from learning of Louisa Fox's murder, Tom Carr was promptly arrested and charged with murder of a child on January 22, 1869. He was taken to Belmont County Jail to await trial. Although he never confessed to Lisa's murder, her brother Willie gave his account of what happened. His attempt at self-harm was also a deciding factor in his charges of murdering Louisa 
Authorities at that time considered his attempt at suicide as a form of guilt he was feeling over murdering the girl. During his time in jail, Louise's family put her to rest in an area close to her home known as the Egyptian Valley Wildlife Area, which has a tombstone still to this day. The whole community mourned her senseless murder and wanted swift conviction of Thomas Carr. While he was jailed, he lightly confessed to killing 14 others, all men, according to him, and all for various reasons that he justified as an excuse to his savagery. Or the story goes. His trial for murdering Louisa Fox began in June of 1869 and lasted only five days. There wasn't one person used in his defense to speak on his character as someone good, not even his own family. Judge John Way was said to speak directly to Tom to express his own thoughts of his crimes and the kind of person he saw Tom as. He said, Mr. Carr, you are arrogant, ill-natured, petulant, and quite frankly, a scary character. You, sir, possess a heart fatally bent on mischief. Tom rolled his eyes, crooked his mouth, and huffed. Newspapers at the time covered the trial from day one, and headlines across the pages read, A trial that is intensely exciting. Although Louisa's family would not agree, his trial captivated everyone across the nation. As day five of his trial came to a close, Judge John Way excused himself to his chambers to review all of Thomas Carr's charges. He returned a short time later to a silent courtroom. Everyone, press included, was on edge. Some thought he would be convicted, but others feared a pardon because the only witness was Willie, a child. As Judge Way sat down, he immediately picked up his gavel and slammed it down abruptly, stating, Mr. Carr, you are a notorious character, prone to lies, but you are also guilty of your crime. This court finds you guilty of capital murder in the first degree. He finished his comment with, I sentence you to death by hanging, and that shall be carried out on August 20th. Do you have any words to say? Thomas Carr began laughing as Judge Way completed his comment. Tom looked up while laughing and said, Not care a damn about all that if it was tomorrow. Judge Way nodded and informed bailiffs to remove Mr. Carr and return him to his jail cell. Tom laughed and chuckled all the way out of the courthouse, knowingly upsetting Louise's family. During his time waiting on execution, he was granted a stay because of legal technicalities, mostly over Tom Carr's defense, but wrongs were righted, and he was issued a new death warrant for March 24, 1870, the following spring. As the gallows were being constructed for his hanging, Tom did cartwheels, flips, and acrobats along the porch. When asked why he was so gleeful about his death, he shrugged and laughed at the questioning. Many of the folks around Belmont County were afraid of Tom Carr, but a few felt sorry for the poor lad. On March 24th at 12.30 p.m., Thomas Carr was led up the gallows steps. He was measured and fitted for a suit the day before but wore his torn, tattered, and bloody clothes he was arrested in that fate-filled day last winter. As he was placed over the drop door, he was asked for any last words, to which Tom replied giving a long, drawn-out speech about the evils of diving into the drink and why alcohol is the blame of everything wrong in his life. 
Remember his upbringing and his father's abuse? Well, Thomas Carr, for the first time in his short life, wasn't lying about the start of his terrible future. Although a small bit of pity can be felt for him, he chose his own path and chose the wrong one. After his long-winded speech, the rope was placed over his head, fitting snugly against his neck, and he was dropped to his death at 1.04 p.m. He was pronounced deceased at 1.11 p.m. He became the first person hanged illegally through the court system in Belmont County, Ohio. He was 24 years old. To this day, a lot of unanswered questions and mystery surround his life, his crimes, and even his death. With his confession of killing possibly 14 other men, as well as murdering Louisa Fox, Thomas D. Carr goes down as yet another United States serial killer. With this crime spanning nine years, from 1860 to 1869, he definitely left his mark on America and West Virginia. There is also many stories, books, songs, and even countless news articles inspired by Tom Carr and Louisa Fox's love story still circulating to this day. The Confessions of Tom Carr was published in many newspapers and pamphlets after his death. Even John Baker, the Times reporter, wrote a large edition in the Times about the life of Thomas Carr. Many people in West Virginia still refer to him as West Virginia's first serial killer. But being known as a notorious liar, only Thomas David Carr knows the truth. And as far as Louisa, she is said to still walk the path, the forest, and even in and around the Egyptian Valley Wildlife Area to this day. Some claim to have seen her looking, looking for something. Others claim she has even spoken to them. Have you seen my dear Tom? He was supposed to join me. I've waited a long time, but I can't find him. If you see him, tell him I love him. I forgive him, and my neck no longer hurts. With this episode covering self-harm, we wanted to express how important mental health, mental illness, and mental disorder awareness is. Suicide is never the answer. If you or someone you love are struggling, please reach out to someone you trust or call 988 in the United States or text 741-741. You are never alone. This episode was researched and created by us, Skylar and Shelley, hosts of Diabolic Evil. Any information used in this episode is our own words and our own thoughts on the subject. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like or a follow on Twitter or Instagram, and be sure to check out our website at diabolicevil.com. As always, thanks for listening. Take care of yourself, and by all means, don't become a subject of our podcast.